2: today is what family caregivers should know about sleep apnea. Now sleep is important for people of all ages to stay in good health. Sleep is important because how people feel and perform during the day is related to how much sleep they get the night before. Sleep is important because not getting enough sleep is associated with health conditions such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease, obesity, and depression. Sleep is important because not getting enough sleep is associated with the onset of these diseases and may also complicate their treatment and outlook. And sleep is important because not getting enough sleep increases the risks for road and work-related accidents and for problems at work. So right now, this time, sufficient sleep is increasingly recognized as an essential aspect of chronic disease prevention and health promotion, which is why our topic, What Family Caregivers Should Know About Sleep Apnea, is so important for family caregivers and their family members. Now, to discuss it, our guest is Dr. Ron Goldstein. Ron graduated in 1971 from the University of Toronto with BSc and DDS degrees. DDS, as you know, is the uh, dental equivalent of the medical degree. He's been in private dental practice in Mississauga, Canada for 43 years. His interest in sleep apnea led him to the advanced residency courses presented by Dr. Stephen Olmos, at the TMJ and Sleep Therapy Center in San Diego, California. He furthers his training through membership of the American Academy of Craniofacial Pain, Canadian chapter, the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine, the Canadian Academy of Sleep Disorders Disciplines, and various others. He speaks to various groups about the health consequences of sleep apnea, the availability of home sleep tests, and treatment with oral appliances. And Ron's dedicated to improving the quality of life, reducing health problems, and increasing life expectancy of his patients through the treatment of obstructive sleep apnea. So welcome to the show, Ron. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Right now, first question for you. Please tell us some more about your life, your career, and your experience with family caregiving, Ron.
3: Well, I, um, as you described, I've certainly done all my education in Toronto. I've uh, been involved in practice and general dental practice here um, for 43 years. And I've been happily married for 44 years, have three wonderful daughters, seven adorable granddaughters. So certainly there's a bit of family there that I've certainly been involved with uh, caregiving. And um, also from standpoint of practice, I mean, my, my dental practice is all about caregiving. Uh, previously just uh, related to the um, dental care but. Oh, for the last seven or eight years, going back to 2006 or 7 uh, I've got more involved with the TMJ treatment, which is the jaw joint and problems that people have with that, causes a lot of pain, and um, also then involved with the sleep uh, apnea problems. All of these can actually stem from, obviously, from airway problems. So there's a lot of people over the years, both family and professionally, that I've been taking care of one way or another.
2: Right. Now, Ron, what does apnea mean, and what is sleep apnea? Ron? Uh,
3: Apnea means stopping breathing. Uh, When we are involved with sleep apnea, we're talking about stopping breathing while you sleep. And by definition in that field, those stoppages have to be at least 10 seconds long to count. Now, when you talk about 10 seconds, that's the short end of the Uh, significant duration, but it is nothing unusual for these episodes to go on for 30, 40, 50 seconds and repeated many times a minute, many times an hour, and those are the ways that we actually define the severity of the problem. How many times an hour does it happen? So we have to look at how many times it happens, how long they are and that overall is the, uh, those are the significant factors. And if you want to know what stopping breathing feels like, hold your breath. Look at your watch and see at what point you really want to let go and gasp and take a breath. And don't be surprised if you find that starts to happen after half a minute. This happens during sleep many, many times in the night and often after long, long after 30 seconds.
2: Right. Now, I want to know. I want you to tell us, please, why you included treatment for sleep apnea in your dental practice. Um, What was it that kind of got you there? Ron?
3: Well, I first started, I would say, maybe in the mid-90s. It was a more casual interest then. Uh, People weren't doing as much with the sleep appliances the the way we do. People have been involved in sleep apnea probably since the early 70s, and that's when it was really uh, determined that it was significant. They developed some of the treatments. Um, some of those treatments are still kind of the mainstay of, of treatment now, however less less popular. So at that point, I took took a course or two, made a few appliances, and since it really wasn't the accepted treatment, that kind of faded away. But when I Went to see a, uh, an initial presentation by Dr. Almos. He was here, and he was talking about these TMJ problems and the sleep apnea. And he was a very inspirational speaker. So he would be talking about what we could now be doing for patients and changing their their quality of life. I mean, you know, fixing teeth is important, but this is a bigger picture. So it was his Presentation that really hooked me, and from there I got involved in his major treatment uh, and major courses, and have continued in those those areas right through today, and hopefully, you know, building more and more into that part of the practice.
2: Is is this treatment that you provide, or your, your interest in sleep apnea? common in dental practice or are you somewhat still alone in what you're doing?
3: Right, It's, it's coming along more. Um, a number of people will maybe give it a little casual dabble, um, maybe not with really enough training. Um, they may go off to a course and just decide, well, they're just going to stick with the traditional things that they've needed. It's increasing. Um, I think that you know, I and a certain limited number of people are, are really in the advanced phases of it, but um, as there's more awareness of it coming on and the number of patients suffering for, from it, then I think that you know, more and more of the dentists will be involved. How seriously? I'm not sure, but uh, you know, sometimes people kind of jump on the bang, bandwagon for a bit and then
2: bail. Yes. Now, very roughly, what proportion of your dental practice overall do you allocate to sleep apnea?
3: I would say at this point, uh, probably about 25% of my time is spent in that area, um, increasing continually because I've got some radio ads going and uh, they're, they're the type that give people some information, invite their inquiries, and invite them to, to come in and explore more, and more and more people are are calling in. And I, I hope to really develop that portion of the practice uh, significantly.
2: So it's right for me to say then that, so to speak, people will present themselves at your, if I can call it this, your check-in desk right. um, requesting investigation for sleep apnea um, rather than coming to you and requesting some kind of dental care. Is that right?
3: Oh, definitely. Um, talk about sleep apnea or they'll, they'll come in initially wanting to investigate a snoring problem. Um, very often that's what people are more aware of. But yeah, it's the other thing that can happen, too, um, just with a dental patient, there are certain signs that you can look at uh, in a patient and their just in their mouth, which can give you a little bit of a hint that perhaps they have um, an airway problem, at which point I would question them about it, I would delve into that, and then we may find that someone who initially came as a dental patient now has uh, the sleep apnea problem to deal with, and we'll bring that up to them, and hopefully they'll be interested in finding out about it.
2: Does that, when you say to, I'm going to call them a dental patient, um, that you think you can see signs of trouble with airway and breathing. Does that surprise them?
3: Yeah, yes. Uh, one of the obvious signs that we can see, and this is somebody somebody can look in a mirror and see this themselves, is they look at their tongue. Don't stick it out far because it'll stretch it. If they look at your tongue and you see indentations down the side of it. We call that scalloped tongue. And what it is, it is uh, the... The indentations caused by the contours of the teeth, the tongue is trying to get out of the airway. That has been found to be 70% predictive of sleep apnea. So if I've got somebody lying in my chair and I look in their mouth and I see this, I start to ask questions about their sleep and how they sleep and do they snore and we go from there. So it's, it's something that, listen, it's something that any dentist, if they happen to know, looks in a mouth could question and whether they deal with it or whether they're going to say to their patient, you know, go see your doctor about your sleep. That's something that's right in your face, and it is a significant factor.
2: Right very interesting now we've come to the time where we have to take the break this is where I like to say we have to pay the rent so we'll do uh-huh. that now uh-huh. this is <laughs> this is Dr. Gordon Atherley my guest is Dr. Ron Goldstein you're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio and SharingTheBurden.ca please stay with us we'll be back
4: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, Live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now.
5: whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com.
4: Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Ron Goldstein. Your Our topic is what family caregivers should know about sleep apnea. Now, You've already said a fair amount about sleep apnea, but now, Ron, I want to go in, you to go into some detail. So first off, what are the effects of sleep apnea, Ron?
3: Well, one of the most obvious ones is uh, chronic fatigue. Uh, people get up in the morning feeling pretty much as tired as they went to bed, so obviously their sleep is not good. And one thing that we have to, to mention is it's not just a question of having enough sleep. It's also the quality of sleep. Um, and this is talking about the depth of sleep. So the, the chronic tiredness is uh, the obvious one people are going to be most aware of. Uh, in the afternoon, Probably, really, possibly fading out, and a number of people say they're at work in the afternoon, they really have to start drinking coffee just to get through the rest of the time. So, that's the thing that somebody is going to notice themselves. From the health standpoint, as you mentioned at the beginning, there's a number of things, and I'll go through the list and probably add a couple more, but yeah, definitely increased blood pressure and um, harder to treat with the medication because you're fighting this other ongoing cause. From the higher blood pressure, increased chance of heart attack and strokes, atrial fibrillation often can be either decreased or eliminated by uh, dealing with sleep apnea, diabetes, Acid reflux, uh, when you are basically your throat is plugged during these episodes, you're still trying to breathe. So chest and abdomen are still trying to pump air through, push air through. You can get acid being um, washed back up your esophagus. Now, this can also damage the tissue there, and this can lead to a precancerous or ultimately to, to cancerous condition there. Depression, which is very, very much a topic these days. Sexual dysfunction. Uh, the TMJ problems. This is the problems that ultimately you notice in your jaw joints, soreness, restricted opening. Due to the airway problems, fighting for air, consequently clenching or grinding your teeth at night, this focuses back on the joint, and that can be a very ser- serious problem. There's some new thoughts that came out recently and some studies that came out recently showing that the lack of adequate sleep, and we're talking both about the amount and the quality, can cause actually cause brain shrinkage. And in the deep... Periods of sleep, there may actually be a flushing of some of the toxins from the brain, and possibly, and this is all just a very early thought, possibly helping to uh, put off or eliminate or slow down dementia and uh, Alzheimer's disease.
2: That's quite a range. <clears throat> I just want to go back to a term you used and ask you just to explain to us what it is. You mentioned atrial fibrillation. What's that Ron?
3: Um, Basically it would come down to, to feeling palpitations uh, it's an irregular heartbeat, and uh, normally when your heart is beating normally and smoothly, you're not even aware of it. But if you feel flutters or if you, you know feel the discomfort, and if you're aware of your heartbeat, it's because it's not regular, and um, there's a number of different things that can cause it, but one of the significant factors is sleep apnea, and they found that some people that suffer with it, treat the sleep apnea, it can decrease or perhaps even go away.
2: Right. Now, the next question, who can be affected by sleep apnea? And in what ways do their families and their family caregivers become aware that a family member may be being affected by sleep apnea? Ron?
3: Anybody can be affected by it. And this can go from little children um, up to anybody who's still alive. Um, In the case of little children, we have different ranges of what tolerance is. If you have an adult who has five episodes or less per hour, we call that normal. That's okay. In a a little child, the the tolerance is zero. So they may end up uh, having behavioral problems, learning problems, bedwetting problems. And one of the ways that you can check a child. A child shouldn't snore. If a child snores, they've got an airway problem, very possibly tonsils. Have a pediatrician check it out. If their baby teeth are ground down very severely, again, grinding because they can't breathe in their sleep. So that's that's at the low end. It you know, could be any age and anybody up and through. So the, it's often the family that's going to notice What's happening? So with the, with the little one, look for snoring, look for ground down teeth. If you, somebody has, some of the children are, are labeled with the attention deficit, uh, disorder, all can come from poor sleep. When it gets up into the other, uh, people, look for, let the, let the, the family look for here, snoring. I mean, snoring itself can be just Basically, primary snoring, not related to anything. Most often, you have snoring, you're going to have sleep apnea. A, a bed partner, you want to really f- see what's happening, listen for snoring. Listen for the snoring stopping. And then after that quiet uh, phase, look for a gasp and some some heavy breathing, trying to make up for the, the uh, lost air. And, again, many patients will say, you know, I, I see... My husband or my wife, I look over, I I don't hear anything, I look over, they're not breathing. They're very aware of that and they start to get edgy waiting to see it start again, which it will generally, over whatever time period we're talking about. So if you've got somebody who's snoring and they stop snoring and stop breathing and they have this heaving, basically you 've diagnosed it, so that 's what uh, that 's what family can do and, and uh, I say anywhere from somebody hearing snoring from the next room and how many people have have related stories about you know I, I hear my it could be my son or my father or whatever hear through the wall or anytime they go somewhere you know people sharing a hotel room uh, they 're very aware of it no no problem. It-
2: just to sort of put, put words into your mouth, so to speak, um, what it comes to is that really family members and family caregivers are really rather very important in the recognition uh, and awareness of what can be or could be sleep apnea. They're the kind of people who see the early warning signs. Would you agree with what I just said?
3: Oh, Absolutely. Because some of the people that come in and, you know, who have been told by their bedmate, whatever, that they stop breathing or they snort, they weren't aware of it. In some cases, somebody will wake up. I mean, if the breathing and the stopping is severe enough, they'll wake up with a gasp and a panicky feeling. And then they're aware, but in many cases, it doesn't quite go that far, so they don't know. They don't know they snore, and they don't know that they stop breathing. It's someone around them who knows and then will encourage them or push them or fight with them to go do something about it. Absolutely.
2: Right. Now, next question. Why is it important to recognize and treat sleep apnea? And there's the importance of recognizing sleep apnea well enough understood in society generally,
3: right? Uh, it's important to recognize it and treat it because if you don't, you may just die early. Um, there have been some studies done, and they did a, a study following people over an 18-year period, people with m- normal Mild, moderate, and severe sleep apnea. And all the work talking about people who were not treated. And over that, what they were trying to find over the 18-year period is what is the chances of surviving that 18 years. So somebody who is normal, uh, not uh, listed as sleep apnea, has upwards of 100% chance of making it through that period. If you go, just to go to the other extreme, Severe sleep apnea, which means you're going to have these stoppages 30 times per hour or more, the chances of surviving that 18-year period drops to about 60%. So it's important. And, And just quality of life. I mean, these are almost kind of a little more subtle things, but quality of life, avoiding all of these other health things... And it's getting more recognized. There's more and more um, media attention. You read in the papers uh, more about it, or you'll see little news clips about it. And every time you see it, they will add more health consequences to the list of what happens if you don't treat it. So it's coming along. More and more people know about it. But still... It said that 75 to 80% of the sleep apnea cases out walking around as yet are not diagnosed.
2: So that goes back to the point about family caregivers, if family caregivers are involved or are around the person. But it also goes back to the point about getting the message out, whether it's through the media or in any other ways. And I hope this uh, episode with you, Ron, is going to help in that, to say to people, this is something you need to take seriously because those statistics you're using are important. They have an important message saying, get it fixed. Now, I want to just go back a little bit more to the effects of sleep apnea on children. That's so important. You you covered it very well, but I just want you to say a little bit more. Should parents be actually listening out for snoring or teeth grinding or those kinds of things? Should it go that far or should they just wait to see what happens to see whether they notice anything?
3: Ron? well, I think that I think the snoring thing they would pretty well notice off the bat uh, you know I have a number of people come in and they'll talk about their little one snoring um, That one I think is could be pretty obvious that they wouldn't maybe notice the ground down teeth or or attach any significant to it. You know, little teeth they wear down, but they shouldn't. If, they, if they're if they grinding their little teeth flat, then it is most likely due to the airway problem. Um, a dentist, if I get a child in the office and we're just doing just a regular checkup, I'll take a little peek in their throat and look for some big fat tonsils, which shouldn't be there. And... Um, also, just, just the family doctor or pediatrician, it should be a standard thing that they would check that and be aware that maybe the child doesn't get sick a lot, and that was, you know, that was always the uh, basis for removing tonsils is somebody getting recurrent infections. But if the tonsils are really big, and from what i 've learned from one of my pediatrician patients, these days, that is the main reason that they 're removing tonsils. so there's, the parents should be aware other people should be checking up just on a regular basis it 's important, and, and uh, you know the sleep apnea situation is more and more recognized and should certainly be recognized in the healthcare world
2: right. Very good. now once again, we've come to the um, time where we need to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dr. Ron Goldstein. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channel, CJMP90.1 FM Community radio and sharingtheburden.CA. Please stay with
4: us. we will be back. the internet's number one talk station number one talk station Voiceamerica.com.
5: the world we live in has become a crazy place poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth we keep calling on government to save us with new programs and now we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history this problem continues to get worse The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety.
4: Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune into the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing Talk, talk, talk. talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You
1: are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Ron Goldstein. Our topic is what family caregivers should know about sleep apnea. So now let's talk about the investigation and treatment of sleep apnea. So first, first off, Ron, please. How is sleep apnea investigated? How are the findings interpreted? And what are the especially important findings that the investigation is searching for?
3: Ron? Um, the main way that we investigate uh, sleep apnea uh, to make it official is a sleep test now traditionally, these sleep tests were in a in a sleep lab or in the hospital, and what they did there is they uh, wired you up basically from head to toe there's putting there putting wires on your head to measure brain activity um, there are uh, set you up with a couple of uh, leads to do a cardiogram and some on your leg for leg, restless leg syndrome. Now, then the core of the, of the uh, investigation comes down to a microphone to check for the snoring and a little cannula that fits in, in your nose and under your nose, basically like you see uh, people in the hospital wearing. That actually is measuring the airflow, which is what it's all about. You have uh, two belts, one around the chest and one around the belly that measure stretch. Now, the main obstruction when you're talking about obstructive sleep apnea is the tongue against the back of the throat. And if someone is plugged there, they're still trying to breathe. As I mentioned, there is this heaving with the chest and the abdomen. Those belts see that you are trying to breathe when there's no airflow. There's a probe uh, on your finger that will measure the oxygen level in your blood and the pulse. So we um, will get all that data. Now, if you find that there's no airflow and there's no effort, there's no movement, chest and, and uh, stomach, there's nothing trying to push air through, we have a different situation. We have central apnea, and that's when the brain is not calling for breathing for these periods. That's a whole different problem, a whole different treatment, and it's fortunately less uh, common because it's harder to treat. We're dealing with obstructive sleep apnea. So the findings, uh, when you go in for the, for that type of test, you're going into their environment, their timing. Um, because of all the wiring, you tend to be forced to sleep on your back, which is actually the worst position for sleep apnea and snoring because of gravity just making everything fall back. And I'll have people that say, I don't know, they don't think they slept at all. I'll have people who say that they got up in the night and just couldn't take it and left. And there are a lot of people that just won't even go for the testing because they just don't want to go there for whatever reasons. So they don't get tested. They don't get diagnosed, potentially. The newer way to treat is, and this is what we can do, is a home sleep test. And this is equipment that you take home, you put on, and it's the core of what we talk, what I talked about before, microphone for snoring, cannula to measure the airflow, the effort belts around the stomach and the chest, uh, a probe on the finger for the oxygen saturation, level of oxygen in the blood and the pulse. And the little recorder that's built into all of this also senses body position because then we can see where somebody was sleeping and where they were better or worse. Now, in both cases, you're going to take this data, you're going to look at it. Uh, In the labs, they have the doctor and the technicians that do it. And one of the things that they'll see with the brainwaves is, are you getting into the deep restorative levels of sleep? That's what it's really all about. If they're not, then you may be sleeping, but it is poor quality sleep. Um, But generally, that condition is going to come from the fact that your breathing has been interrupted. And what are you treating in the end? The breathing. Our home test is measuring the essential factors to diagnose sleep apnea. A dentist cannot officially diagnose, so we take the data from that recorder, upload it to a site where a medical sleep doctor will read it, interpret it, and send us back the diagnosis and recommended treatment. So we're looking for how many times people stop breathing. or or a significantly shallow breath It has the same effect. We look for the drops in the oxygen level in the blood because this stresses the system, changes the chemistry, causes a lot of the problems that come from sleep apnea. And we look at pulse because if there are these stoppages, it's almost like a panic attack. Adrenaline is going to be released. Pulse is going to go up. And again, it's not relaxing. So these are the factors that we look at, we can get the same necessary factors from the home test under normal sleeping circumstances, and people can turn as they would normally do.
2: Right. Now, next question is about the treatment. So how is this condition, sleep apnea, treated? What what are you trying to achieve with the treatment? And how do you uh, access or uh, how do you actually sort of judge the success of the treatment?
3: The thing that you're trying to do is make sure that air can keep flowing, that you don't have this plug that, that makes you hold your breath. Um, the gold standard, which is con- considered the gold standard, is the CPAP machine. And this is a, a mask or a variation of a mask that someone will wear attached to a tube that's attached to a little air-blowing machine, what they're trying to do there is, in effect, um, blow the airway open, just kind of like blowing up a balloon, and getting the air past the obstruction. And this is what's been around since probably, again, in the 70s. And um, it can work very well, except about 50% of the people that get them just can't tolerate them, put them away End of treatment. Or there will be some people who just are not going to go there in the first place. And I've seen all the same, both kinds of people who have been tr- diagnosed a long time ago have never done anything about it because they just weren't going to use the machine. The uh, current, and then this is where dentistry comes in, the, the new, uh, very accepted treatment, and especially for mild to moderate sleep apnea, is an oral appliance. So it's an appliance that goes in your mouth. The purpose of it is to hold your jaw a little bit forward, and if you hold the jaw forward, the tongue is going to go with it. And we're not trying to push past the obstruction anymore. We're eliminating it. And they're very wearable, uh, certainly very portable. Uh, the machines are a nuisance if you're traveling and you have to worry about distilled water and where to plug it in and getting it through security. Little oral appliance, little mouth guard, in effect, If you know, Pop it in your suitcase, no problems, uh, no maintenance to speak of, and they work very well. How do you know if it's all working? Number one, somebody gets up in the morning after getting an appliance or the CPAP or whatever it is, they get up and they're feeling good and feeling rested. That's that's 99% of, of the battle. But the way to, to make it official, you redo a sleep test. You read, and, and, you know, previously people would go into the lab for it or we'll send them home with our test set up again wearing the appliance. We'll look to see how the numbers have improved. And I've had many cases. People get an appliance. We'll check with them the next day. And they get up in the morning and say, Hi, I, don't, I just feel so great. I haven't felt this way in years and I should have done a long time ago. We know it's worked and also the partner will say, I don't hear them anymore and and initially that's a concern because then they are used to hearing them and they'll get used to the silence but that's it, how they feel, how they sound and how those repeated tests come up.
2: Now, that brings me back to my question that I'm always asking which is the role of family caregivers. In a situation that you've described, that is to say where the individual has had the treatment, um, the uh, device that you put in the mouth uh, that puts the jaw forward and relieves the uh, obstacle, the obstruction, um, do family caregivers have a role in helping that success, success in that kind of treatment? And if so, what is it? Ron?
3: Well, the first thing is to make sure they're getting treated um, as, and I said, a number of people who get diagnosed just don't go for treatment so if you know the family member has been diagnosed, don't let them ignore it that's That's the first thing. Just bother them till they treat it or it's not <laughs> going maybe not going to last too long um, and they're also going to know that the person is has improved they're going to know that the snoring has either stopped or has re- significantly reduced, they're going to hear that they are, they are you know, breathing nice and, and smoothly and quietly through the night, and both people will benefit because it's not just the person that has the sleep apnea or, ha- or snoring that has the problem and suffers from it. The person beside them suffers many of the same health consequences as the Patient shall we say, because their sleep is interrupted it 's the same thing it doesn 't matter what what 's interrupting your sleep is it Is it the apnea or the snoring, or the person beside you, and the list of of health consequences to the uh, other person is, is pretty much the same, the, the blood pressure, the, the chance of strokes, um, it's just so many of the same things because it's all coming from disrupted sleep and not getting into the deep sleep where your body restores and heals and repairs and gets rested. So one person has the official problem, two people have the consequences.
2: And that's, Ron, just to put words into your mouth again, that's where the team effort is involved, isn't it? That is the individual that has the sleep apnea problem and the family caregivers, the family members who are affected by whatever is in the life of the person who's got the sleep apnea. And if they're all working together, recognizing that the, the the, the, the kind of caring that's needed, it's all going to be happier and more successful. Now, I know that's a leading question, but do you, have a, am I right in what I just said?
3: Absolutely, um, there, there are just so many factors that affect both people, and you get down to the you know the social relationship and everything that it take, does take the team to uh, make it go. The person that has the problem may want to ignore it, the other person should not let them ignore it. If you get it treated, both people are going to feel better and get along better and be happier and you know the team wins. Individuals were not the same, but a a team, yes, that's a winning
2: approach. Tremendous. Now, once again, uh, it's time to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dr. Ron Goldstein. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us, we're coming back.
0: Listen for Matters of Design with celebrity designer Dimitri Christian Skarakis as he explores the dynamics of interior decorating. Imagine your personal style and ideas being shaped by our guest experts as they highlight a mixture of home furnishings, lighting, textiles, and fashion from around the world. If you've ever had difficulty trying to plan how to do it yourself, why not collaborate with a designer and wind up with results like you've never dreamed of? Matters of Design can be heard live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety.
4: There are over 140 million products manufactured worldwide. It is impossible to know the ingredients in these products, especially those made overseas. Stan Salat creator of the HSF Mark and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance is the host of People to People, working together for your safety. Stan believes in our right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in consumer products and whether they are counterfeit. Find out how you can protect yourself every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk. Gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg.com at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Ron Goldstein. Our topic is What Family Caregivers Should Know About Sleep Apnea. Ron, now let's talk about what more you would like to do And you would like to see done to improve understanding of the importance of recognizing and treating sleep apnea. So my first question to you is, what more would you like to do to improve understanding of the importance of recognizing and treating this obstructive sleep apnea that you've been talking about?
3: Ron? Well, to have the opportunity to uh, have initial consultations with patients. I mean, as we do, patient is is welcome to come in for initial consultation for no charge. If they have any suspicions, uh, concerns, read the, the snoring, perhaps, or the being uh, t- chronically tired. So more people that can come in and ask the questions, then I'm happy to see them, see what we should do from there, and uh, see if they're interested. Um Getting out and having speaking opportunities, and there's a number of places that I've been invited and to, to go to speak to groups, and uh, uh, people seem to be pretty interested, and sometimes they look pretty shocked by the, the whole picture. Um, yeah, they may know little bits and know they're tired and know they snore, but when you start to give them the list of the health consequences, um, sometimes that, uh, even if they're tired, opens their eyes. So that's uh, having the opportunities to speak to people. Um, I have, and, and the way it's formatted, I have a radio commercial going, and it is a question and answer thing, a little similar to this, but somewhat shorter. And someone <laughs> yes. will ask the questions. I couldn't afford to do all of this. Um, ask the questions. The announcer asks questions. I'll give answers. We've got a couple of minutes, and we get some of the hot points out. And that has. Brought a lot of, of calls and say to people, you know, come in, let's talk. So, having the exposure and having the opportunity to talk to people, I think, is the, the best thing that, that I can do.
2: Right. Um, getting the now, if I can just take you to the next question What more would you like to see done, and by whom would you like to see it done to improve? The general understanding in the public, and maybe the healthcare system as well, of the importance of recognizing and treating sleep apnea.
3: Ron? Well, we need, we need the maximum amount of media exposure, and as I said before, you more and more see um, bits in the, in the paper and articles about sleep apnea and consequences. Um, Perhaps there should be more little more official kind of medical spots, and certainly um, you know on some of the TV that uh, news things where have, they have some one of their health editors doing something. Perhaps more regularly, that should be a topic that comes up. Uh, it just has to be exposure. Throw in some of the consequences. Let people know that it's not just a question of being tired or snoring. You know, Give, give them part of the list of what's going to happen to them. And also, you want to throw it in, just say, you know, you want to live longer, you have to sleep better. And it's, It's not just a question, again, not a question just of quantity, it's quality. You can have nine hours of poor sleep and you're still tired. You have to get the good sleep where you get into the deeper levels of sleep. You get enough of that and you're off to the races.
2: Now, still on the same question, um, what you'd like to see done, but I want you to answer the question in regard to children. You've given a very good, I think, description of the situation for children particularly young children Um, what would you like to see and who would you done and who would you like to see doing it to bring out the message about the importance of recognizing and treating sleep apnea in kids children
3: Huh? Well, I think I think one of the places you just have to know, and I, I don't know the the overall level of knowledge in the medical world um, between pediatricians and GPs. I mean, a lot of the kids are just going to their family uh, practitioner, which is fine, but make sure that they understand uh, the list too. And how many children are treated with uh, with medication for their? attention deficit uh, problem, and their behavioral problems, when perhaps, you know, that's not it. And um, there was some big, I remember seeing on TV one time, big study where they followed some, and this is in the States, I'm sure, where they followed some kids that were having problems um, in school, and they turned around and made sure that their, their sleep situation was right, and they just turned around and, and really blossomed. So... Certainly, um, it should be the the medical world to start with. Um, Perhaps more some more of the um, ads and information out that parents are going to pick up are are, uh, giving them some more information, let them know that kids that they're having troubles with uh, the attention, the behavior, bedwetting all can be related to this, and then let them go and question their doctors and and follow up on it. Um, In the dental world, I mean, we're we're involved too, but maybe we're we're farther down the the ladder. Start with the top, but um, I guess also make sure that the the dental world are are aware of things we see. Ground down teeth, take a look in somebody's throat, look for great big tonsils, say go ask your doctor about it.
2: Yeah, right. Now, Ron, very last question. What's your message for family caregivers who are concerned that a family member may be developing sleep apnea? And that's a family member of any age. Ron, what's your message? Um,
3: see, that it, see that it gets investigated. Don't, uh, don't gloss over it. Um, make sure that they bring it up to the doctor or have the person go to the doctor or the appropriate dentist. Have it investigated. Um, And if it gets investigated and gets diagnosed, make sure that it gets treated. Don't let somebody just say, oh, can't be bothered. Uh, They don't want the CPAP. That's fine. Get an an oral appliance. They work well. Something has to be done or else you're going to suffer all the consequences. So um, that's it. Just just, uh, pick up on it. Uh, follow-up on it and and make sure it gets carried through to completion.
2: Ron, thank you very much for this Um, in various ways. First of all, you've made very clear that we have to take sleep apnea or obstructive sleep apnea seriously in our society. You're optimistic in the sense that uh, interest and awareness is growing but you're also sounding a few notes of alarm in the sense that maybe people don't know enough yet aren't alerted sufficiently to be on the lookout for these kinds of symptoms signs that you've been describing and that therefore more must be done and I think you've also in a very tactful way um, signaled to my uh, Previous profession medicine that doctors really do have to take this more seriously because of all the implications consequences and um, consequences on the dark side, but consequences on the good side that is to say if if it's treated if if it's recognized and treated, there can be the kind of turnaround where everybody gets a good good night's sleep so I want to thank you and I want to say to you all success in your work because your work's important I want to thank you to our listeners we'd like to hear your comments on this episode Now, with Family Caregivers Unite, we're starting a new research project called Qualitative Research. It's to find out what you, our listeners, think about important topics, such as the one we've just been listening to. So please email me to hear more or to get involved. Our next episode will be Human Rights and Mental Health Care Services, What Family Caregivers Should Know. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then.